Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome to a special edition of the School of Greatness podcast. Five years of greatness on episode number 593. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Martin Luther King Jr. said, not everybody can be famous, but everybody can be great because greatness is determined by service. Wow, guys, this week marks the five-year anniversary of the podcast. So we wanted to celebrate this amazing milestone with a huge thank you. And we picked one popular episode from each year of the podcast to highlight and I'm sharing my thoughts on why each episode went so great. Again, for me, this started with an idea. This podcast was literally an idea. When I moved to LA, I was sitting in LA traffic, and I felt stuck in my life. I felt stuck in a relationship I was in, in a business partnership I was in, and just in all the things about my health and my life. I just felt stuck. For some reason, I was achieving a lot on the external world, but I felt like I was missing something on my internal world. So I said, what could I do to continue to learn more, to develop myself, my mind, my soul, my energy, but also give back to the world, to let others learn from what I'm learning as well. And that's where the School of Greatness was created. It was from this idea to continue to grow myself and then serve humanity by sharing these powerful insights and conversations with the most inspirational humans in the world, who are at the top of their game in sports and business and science and to reveal the keys to greatness. And this is what we've created together. You know, again, after five years, over 50 million downloads, some incredible interviews, some powerful moving moments, some so many emails that I've received from you and thousands of people who've messaged in talking about these different moments of the podcast over the years that have shifted things for them, that's transformed their attitude, their mindset, their life, their health, their relationships. So many incredible healings and results that have resulted because of this. It just continues to humble me and bring me so much joy and gratitude to continue on the podcast. So we are five years in and I feel like we're just getting started. We're continually growing and we couldn't do without you, the greatness community. All right, guys, I want to dive into this. Again, I'm so grateful for so many of you that continue to listen, and we just continue to grow month after month. It's just growing and growing and and expanding. And I want to believe that it's because we're getting incredible guests on who are sharing these powerful nuggets, just like you're about to hear right now. So I thought I'd go back in time and reflect on some of these moments and what they meant to me and how they really helped so many people who are listening to the podcast. In year one, one of my top episodes, one of my favorite guests was 
a guy that really helped me early on without even knowing it. He wrote a book called The 4-Hour Workweek over 10 years ago. And his name's Tim Ferriss. And I remember wanting to have him on really to thank him for all that he did for me to writing that book and being a catalyst of ideas and possibilities in my mind. And it was the trajectory of me launching my online business. So without Tim Ferriss, I probably wouldn't have had a podcast because I wouldn't have even known anything about this online space. But in this section, really quick, it's about three minutes. Tim talks about how he prepared for his big South by Southwest presentation years ago and how he really got amped up for this. Also, why Tim never rehearses a keynote all the way through. We talked about him rehearsing his keynote in front of his friends. And he also talked about why he drank two Diet Cokes before he speaks. So let's go ahead and dive into this blast from the past, year one of the podcast with Tim Ferriss. Whenever, if it is something that I can rehearse, then I will rehearse. And I remember the first time I had a, a keynote opportunity at South by Southwest, which was a huge opportunity for me. Yeah, this was probably 2007, something like that. And I had between 45 minutes and an hour to give a presentation. The first thing I did was I broke the presentation down. I mean, this is, should sound familiar, right? This is just like <laughs> deconstructing. So I took the presentation and I broke it into into three parts. Um, and that meant there were going to be kind of three acts to the keynote. And, I would have, and, and then I would have a very short introduction and a very short conclusion. So it was like one to two minute intro. Act one, act two, act three, one to two minute outro, right? And what that allowed me to do was rehearse each act by itself. So I never rehearse a keynote all the way through, start to finish, to begin with. I will rehearse each of those acts or each of those segments until that segment is smooth. Then I'll move on to segment two and rehearse that until it's smooth and segment three until that's smooth. And then I'll do them all together. Uh, and, uh, in the case of South by Southwest, what I did, <laughs> and I don't do this every time, but it's, it, it will maybe be, uh, funny for people to hear is I was staying with all the hotels were sold out. So I was crashing at a friend's house in Austin kind of out in the boondocks and he had a garage, he had a big garage and he had three chihuahuas of different sizes. So it was like a giant chihuahua, a tiny chihuahua and a medium sized chihuahua. This isn't a fairy tale. I'm going somewhere with this. So he, uh, <laughs> And I, they, my friend had to go to work, uh, and so I was kind of home alone until I had to head over to the conference center to do this keynote. And so I rehearsed by giving the keynote to these dogs. And <laughs> if if I if no, ch- check it out, if I was really animated and like compelling as a speaker, of course I don't understand what I'm saying. But if I was really animated and compelling as a speaker, they would sit there and watch the whole thing. It was hilarious. If I got monotone or like looked down at my feet or didn't make eye contact, they'd just start wandering off. So <laughs> I rehearsed it with these chihuahuas. But that's an example for a keynote, right? So I have a format that I follow. I have a way that I rehearse. I have rituals, for instance. Like I don't usually drink diet soda uh, for a lot of reasons. But in this case, before I do keynotes, I will drink two Diet Cokes. Uh, and I guess they're probably... I don't know, 12 to 16 ounces each. And that's the reason I do that is uh, primarily ritual. It's not because I need that to be the only way I get the caffeine. It's because that's what I did for years when I had really good keynotes. And I just decided that that was going to be my ritual. If you're a big fan of Tim, make sure to uh, give him a shout out over on Twitter or Instagram 
and let him know what you thought of that moment. And year two, we dive into another massive guest. And I remember when I first met Tony Robbins, I was a teenager at one of his conferences, and he stood over me next to me at one point. He walked down off stage and he walked into the audience and I was sitting there and it was almost like he was walking right at me and he stopped right next to me and he actually didn't look at me. And I don't remember what he was saying. He was saying something about mindset probably and he was shouting it out to 15,000 people who were captivated about what he was about to say. And I can't remember what he said, but I remember the way he made me feel. In that moment, he showed me someone with so much confidence, so much poise, so much passion for his mission and to serve that audience that I said, one day, I want to be able to have that type of passion. I want to be able to have that type of purpose and mission. And I got to have him on. I've had him on a number of times now and got to connect with him a lot more. Uh, love what he's been up to, but this was the first time, so it was a very powerful moment for me to be able to meet him in person for the first time after that and share with him that story. And in about four minutes here, he talks about why you should skip a meal, but don't skip reading, and you should always be feeding your mind. We talk about why fear is physical. His primal ritual, cold plunge, and the three books that he recommends. Let's dive in with Tony Robbins. Honestly, there was no internet those days, and pretty ancient. I used to go to the library because it was the only place to go, and I would feed, I'd read biographies, I'd mm. read people's lives, and it'd make me go, "Wait a second! As bad as I think it is, the greatest people in the world had it worse." Sure. So there's something here. So you feed your mind. I, I'm, Jim Rohn, you say to me, "Skip a meal, but don't skip reading." He said, "Read 30 mm. minutes a day. I don't give a damn what it wow. is." And today, I don't mean internet crap. I mean read something that a biography. Read something mm. that's a strategy. Read something that's going to change your life. And the second thing I tell people is feeding your mind's great, but you've got to also strengthen your body. Mm. And you do that as an athlete yeah. naturally. I learned to do that because fear is physical, mm. right? You know where you feel it. And if you go work out, if you go lift, if you go run, even if you're out of shape, you just go for an intense <clears> walk, that experience alone changes you. Like every day in my life, the first thing I do before I do my priming, if I'm at one of my homes, I jump in some hot water for fun, and then I jump in freezing water. And I have you know, a river you know, in one of my homes in Sun Valley, and I've got cold plunges everywhere else. So I go in 57-degree right. water, boom. <laughs> and what it does is like it's teaching my brain. I, do, I tell my brain what to do, and it does it. Mm. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't want to do it. And every cell in your body is alive, right? So it doesn't have to be like two hours worth of something. It could be something right. you do for 30 seconds, but it's training your body to be strong because a mm -hmm. strong body could strong mind and vice versa. Yeah. The third thing I tell people is find a role model. You know, it, it seems impossible until you see somebody's done it. So, yeah. you know, Ray Dalio is one of the greatest investors in history. The guy was a caddy, right? You know, his dad was a jazz musician. His mom was a homemaker. Right. Um, you know, he's worth $14 billion. He How found, he he found someone to mentor him. He found, well, he found multiple people to, right. to model. Right, right. right. You, you don't always find a mentor, but you find somebody you can model. And when you start seeing that somebody else can do it, and you see they really did, mm -hmm. you start to believe, you start to get certainty. And then the fourth thing I tell people is it's massive action and constantly change your approach, and then it's find somebody worse off than you are and help them. Because mm -hmm. when you do that, it gets you out of yourself. And, yeah. and that's what I, I really have people do. That's what we do at Thanksgiving. We have our basket yeah. brigade where two million people get fed. Amazing. Uh, not in the one I do, the one that I, I get people to do. Yeah. And it's amazing people go in there and they see, my God, I thought my life was tough, but look at this person's life. It makes you appreciative. It puts yeah. life in perspective. Yeah, very cool. Now, talking about feeding the mind, yes. uh, if you could only leave three books behind, it's the to, end of your life, who? <laughs> three books behind to your, to your kids. Yes. And, uh, or the, you know, the message to, your, to the world of like, here's the three most important books 
that gosh. you should read. That's tough. What are those three books that <laughs> all the books I've read? Three. <laughs> you can only pick three. <laughs> That's a tough one. I, I don't know if I can do that, but I'll, I'll tell three off the top of my head. I'd okay. say Man's Search for Meaning, uh-huh. Victor Frankel, um, because all of us in our lives are going to experience extreme stress. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much people love or respect you. You'll have your time. It might yeah. be a health issue in your family. It might be something happens to the economy. There's something happens to all of us. And so to see how people that were put in the most insane, unjust environment, people that were in Auschwitz, how they dealt with that unbelievable situation and had the ones that thrived in spite mm-hmm. of it. And to go through Victor Frankl's way of understanding how to create meaning in your life, I don't think there's a, a more important book. I think maybe another mm-hmm. one might be As a Man Thinketh uh-huh. because it's a book that you can read dozens of times in your life. It's small and it's the core of everything. As you think, so you are. I mean, obviously the Bible is an extraordinary book or whatever religious document a person believes. I, I'm personally a Christian, but I tell people whatever you believe, mm. you need to practice it, whatever it is. Because right. um, there are many different ways of connecting you know, to, to what has created us. And then um, that's three already, but I'll give you one more. I think another one that's important would be <laughs> understanding the life cycles of humanity. Mm. There's a book called Generations. It's a big book. It's, I think, 1,000 pages, 800 pages. Bigger than this book. I'm much bigger than this <laughs> book. Uh, but it's a book worth reading because it shows you how, as Every 100 years, 1,800 years, we run through the same cycles. Like what mm. we've just gone through economically in 2008 yeah. happened 80 years before. And, and you can go through 1,000 years of Roman history and you mm. see it. And then when you begin to be able to anticipate what's coming, you know how to take advantage of the season. Some people freeze yeah. to death in the winter. People that are prepared might snowboard or ski and have a good time. Right. So uh, it's a brilliant book. And it's by Strauss and Howe. It's worth okay. Love that guy. And again, if you enjoyed that section, make sure to share a message over with Tony on social media and let him know what you thought. Year three of the podcast. I'm getting in the groove now, right? I'm, I'm finally figuring out that I can interview decently. I'm, uh, you know, overcoming some personal challenges and, and growing a lot more myself. And, you know, things are picking up. I'm getting some, some traction. People are liking it. Um, and, and year three happens. And I remember getting the opportunity to interview the incredibly talented, lovely, spiritually guided Alanis Morissette. And this woman is a powerhouse, right? Uh, she's got an incredible voice, very talented singer, songwriter, sold millions of copies of her CDs and, and albums. And it was a beautiful experience. I didn't get to do video interview with her, but we did it in audio in her office in, in Los Angeles. And really loved connecting with her and, and I hope I've, I've connected with her over text actually a, a number of times since then haven't got the chance to, to hang out in person again but uh, really want to connect with her some more I just loved her energy so in these four minutes we talked about how do you handle when your best work being behind you and how do you deal with that we also asked Alanis about her definition of success so let's dive in and connect with Alanis World records, yes. millions of copies. Not how do you emo- Yeah, how do you emotionally handle it? Like, oh, maybe my best musical performances mm-hmm. or the results of the best performances have like, are behind me. Well, the results of the best performances is probably a good way to put it because so much of it has to be around how I define success. Of course. I mean, sales numbers. Yeah, sales yeah. numbers to me are... You know, and I said this before Jagged Little Pill, during Jagged Little Pill, and still now, they're almost inconsequential. Mm-hmm. You know, does it affect money coming in and opportunities? For sure. 
Yeah. But opportunities abound for me. Of course. And, and it really begs the question of what kind of opportunity. So there are opportunities to do huge TV shows with huge audiences. I've had the privilege of doing a lot of that. I've Movies, been doing it yeah. recently. I mean, I have access to being expressed. So for me, if I have a sense of self, I'm in my seat, as I call it, and I'm being expressed, I'm being of service, and I'm taking care of myself so that I don't burn out, that to me is the definition of success for me. And then I had to start having some personal fulfillment too, because I had professional fulfillment nonstop and I still have that. You could get, you could succeed anytime professionally you want to. Yeah. You can get in a TV show or movie or it's the most fun and performing the AMAs. Yes. Doing doing a comedy piece with so-and-so and and there's just so many ways to scratch the itch of forms Mm. of expression. So that to me is like, I'm a kid in a candy store today. Right. Um, for me, it was about also combining personal fulfillment. So that took a minute. And then now that I have that as well, I'm happy to say now I just feel like I, it's about waking up in the morning and knowing what is the imperative. For me, it's service and self-expression, continuing self-definition, uh, deepening intimacy in relationships that were always terrifying in the past and Mm. becoming slowly less and less so. And nurturing the ones that are really important to me. Yeah. What are the most important relationships right now? Um, my husband, my son, my community, my best friends. Mm-hmm. They're huge. Yeah. And it's, it's a constant, every day there's a new thing. You know, and sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's, oh, they let me rub their back a little longer or, no. oh, they cried with me or, oh, I, I asked for help or, you know, whatever the, the growth stretch is for me in any given moment that mm-hmm. in the past perhaps I wouldn't have done for fear. Maybe I'm doing it a little bit more today. So defining success to me is a multitudinous thing. It's not just success means winning Grammys, although that is some version of success, according sort of it's like externally oriented success. So there's internal orientation around success and the external validation. The external validation is dangerous, though, because if we're singularly focusing on that, that is an ebb and flow. My whole life I've been loved and hated. Uh, People don't give it. People don't care. All of a sudden, they really care this week, and then next week, they don't care again, and and then they hate, and there were websites erected on how to punch me out properly. Like, there was, I mean, just (laughs) the whole continuum of of abject adoration and love and respect all the way to abject hatred and and emotional violence. So, I can't really ride that roller coaster. If I'm externally oriented, I'm in trouble. Externally referencing. Constantly looking for an acknowledgement, a thing to like bring you. A feeling yeah, or yeah. feeling like, like you And then you're it. dependent on it. Yeah. And you're so, always searching for the next yes. big thing. And right? not to say I'm an island, the whole autonomous movement, you know, God bless the movement of autonomy and post-feminism and everything, or post-feminine, post-70s really. Yeah. But, but now I just think I can't be singularly internally referencing I'm not an island. Yeah. So I pick the people who I feel vulnerable with. We give each other feedback. They'll say, oh, there's a little blind spot there. <laughs> 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 you know, and vice versa. But we always do it with a tenderness. Yeah. And then I'll want their feedback. You like this song? But if I like the song, if I like the chapter, if I like the conversation we're having, I don't actually care what someone else thinks about it. This is just self-definition. I'm not saying this is the, this is the height of what all people should aspire to. It's what I love. Yeah. And that's it. And that's enough for me. Uh, big love for Alanis Morissette. Make sure to uh, message her over on Instagram if you've been a fan of hers as well. If you enjoyed that section, it's at Alanis over on Instagram or Twitter. Year four, the big year four. Now, 
there was one guest I've had on more than anyone else. And so many people kept requesting him to come back on. And I think he's been on, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 times now, it seems like. And he always has this, this powerful episode that people constantly refer back to. And they listen to him over and over again. And that's the one and only Chris Lee. And he's a guy who has really been transformational in my life. I went to a workshop where he was conducting one time uh, that helped me open up about so many things from sexual abuse as a kid to other challenges I had as a man and just being a better human being in general. And he really called me forth to, to being better in my life. And in these three minutes, we talk about the visualization process to seeing the result complete and also your, that your vision becomes a reality. So be careful what you visualize because it just might come true. Let's connect with Chris. So I love this. Yeah. Visualization is actually seeing the result complete. Mm, Before it happens. Yeah. Seeing it. Yeah. So when I visualize my business already making over a million dollars a year in profit, spreading all over Latin America, having people experiencing abundance because of this business and because we're a business that operates from outflowing, from clearing, from integrity, then, you know, we become unstoppable. Yeah. And then you actually see the result. And what's great about visualization is that you have something to gravitate towards. Yeah. And the clearer you visualize things, the more likely it is to happen. It comes from the word vision. Mm-hmm. So having a clear vision, there's no possibility for abundance without having a vision. Yeah. I think it's, a, I think this is a very important part and it's something I learned as an athlete about visualization was seeing the play happen before it happens. And I got to practice that as an athlete and transition it into business world. And it's definitely one of the most powerful things you can do with anything, seeing the relationship that you want to have, seeing the business, the body and visualizing the way the vision will look. Uh, in the future. And the reason why a lot of us fall into the same traps and we keep falling into the same breakdowns is because what we're doing actually is we're visualizing all the, the things breakdowns. we don't want. Right. <laughs> and so we're visualizing how it's going to fail and we're visualizing how it's not going to turn out mm-hmm. and we're visualizing that we don't have the money, that we don't have the time, that we can't. And then your vision becomes a reality. Mm. And so. You know, I always say that be careful what you visualize because it may come true. You got to be very conscious that visualization is something that we use all the time. And it's in an abundance and prosperity. It's a question of channeling it in the right direction. Yeah. So that always have your visualization include what you want, not what you don't want. So a vision would not be, you know, my vision for my life is a life without scarcity and without pain and without uh, suffering because what you're doing is you're bringing all those experiences alive yeah. versus my vision for my life is a life of abundant, a life of health, a life of joy. And so you're actually putting and planting into the universe and your consciousness all the things that you want. Yeah, I think I think it was Mother Teresa that would talk about being for peace as opposed to against war. Right. She never talked about being against something because that would then bring it forth, right? Yeah, one thing is a position, another thing is a stand. Mm. When you stand for something and you stand for something, you're standing for something that's positive. When you position yourself, you're against something. And so what I'm when when you create a vision, it's important that your vision be a stand. 
what is your vision for the life that you want, for your health, for your finances, for your family, for your children, for your business. You just opened up a business. What's your vision? And the clearer you have that vision, the more likely it will become a reality. Uh, Yes. If you're a fan of Chris, make sure to send him some love over on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that, at Chris Motivador. And year five, man, big year five that we just wrapped up. When I think back to the last year, have so many incredible people on, but I remember when I met Mel Robbins for the first time and brought her on, this episode just blew up. You know, the video on YouTube blew up, and it was just such a profound individual who gave such great insights and confidence and exuded this energy and a level of wisdom that I hadn't experienced before. And we cover a couple of different points, you know, in, in a two-minute section and then a an extra one-and-a-half-minute section. We talk about the, that fear still comes, but I have 100% control of what I think and do when I have fear. Also, where anxiety comes from. And how to build confidence and courage. So let's connect with the legendary Mel Robbins. No, the fear still comes, but I have 100% control of what I think and do. So one of the things that, that is important for, for me to, um, to, to put on the table is that a lot of times, um, you know, people look at your where you are now. And so they'll see me on television or they'll see that TED Talk or maybe you'll be in an audience of 20,000 people in, in the American Airlines Center and I'm on stage. And you're like, wow, that chick must have just been more incompetent. I hate her. <laughs> the fact is, uh, that's not at all how I, how I was. I, I, when, when I was 19, I started having crazy panic attacks. Mm. And they got so bad that I took medication and medication was a godsend for me. I took Zoloft for two decades when I had our first daughter, who is now 17 years old, the postpartum depression was so bad that um, they put me on Ativan, which turns you into a zombie, and I could not be left alone with her. So when it comes to self-doubt and to how we can torture ourselves with our thoughts, boy, have I lived that nightmare. And as I started to use the five-second rule, which we're going to get into, um, and everything about my life changed because when people first learn the rule, what you're going to learn, what you're going to start doing is you're going to start using the rule to push yourself to do things that are annoying. You're going to push yourself to get up on time. You're going to push yourself to work on your business plan. You're going to push yourself to make calls that are scary. You're going to mm-hmm. push yourself to get to the gym. You're going to push yourself to speak up more at work. You're going to push yourself to put the booze down. Behavioral, behavioral, behavioral. And then you're going to start to actually use it to change the thinking patterns that are self-sabotaging. Mm. So I, four years ago, wondered as I started to see myself go from fang- facing bankruptcy to building, you know, close to an eight-figure eight figure business. <laughs> what happened for me is I started to say, okay, this is a really cool little trick to bring out the most powerful side of you, but can I use this to actually cure myself of anxiety? Mm. And the answer is yes, you can. And four years ago, I went off Zoloft and I started using the five second rule, which I'm going to explain in one second, to um, interrupt the patterns of worry and self-doubt, which, by the way, anxiety is nothing more than the habit of worrying spiraling out of control Mm -hmm. and body feelings triggering now the habit of obsessive worrying that turns into anxiety and then kind of escalates to panic. 
Um, I started using the five second rule to interrupt my thoughts every time I would feel that kind of worry kick in. And because the prefrontal cortex is awakened when you use it, your mind is now ready to take on a totally different thought. It's a very different strategy than just trying to switch the channel on what you're thinking, because you're actually inserting the step that nobody talks about, which is switching the gears in your mind so that your mind can actually take and believe the thinking. All, how you change your life is one five-second decision at a time, one push at a time. And if you, if you accept the fact that you may never feel ready and you may never feel motivated and you may never feel confident, you may never feel courageous and that's okay, but you can still push yourself forward. What happens over time is as you start mm. to see yourself becoming the person that takes action, that you start to see yourself becoming the kind of person that speaks, even though your voice is shaking, you're the kind of person that, that, that has a bias toward moving instead of a bias toward thinking guess what happens? You build the skill of confidence and courage. Uh, she is an incredible human being. If you enjoy her, make sure to send her a message over on Instagram, Twitter, and let her know what you thought. If you, if you like her stuff and you like this episode, send her some love. And that is my reflection on five years of greatness. Some of my favorite moments people that I've had on, I could do a reflection on each individual, but I thought we would collect just one big one from each year and or powerful insider moment that I thought would be, uh, be useful to reflect on. And uh, it's crazy. Time flies. If you would have asked me five years ago where this podcast would be by now, I would have had no clue all the people I've got to connect with, all the individuals I've got to learn from, partner with, be a part of their lives. It's one of the greatest gifts I've ever been able to receive is to be able to host this podcast and to meet all these incredible human beings who I interview, but most importantly, get to meet all the incredible beings that are listening on the other side. And I've been fortunate enough that when I travel and do speaking gigs and book tours, that a lot of you come out and say hi, and I'm very humbled and grateful when you do. It's always a pleasure to meet you, to shake your hand, to give you a hug. Uh, and just listen to you for a moment to hear about how the podcast has been impactful to you. For those that see me randomly in the streets, make sure to keep coming up and saying hi. It happens uh, a little more and more now, which is always very kind of you. So just make sure to come say hi. If you listen to the podcast, say hi to me in person. Give me a hug. Shake my hand if you don't want to give me a hug. Uh, but I like to give hugs. And let me know what's been impactful for you. It's truly a privilege and an honor to be able to host this experience for you. And you ask my team, and they will tell you, I obsess over this daily of how we can improve it. How can I can make it better? How can we reach it uh, into more people? How can we continue to inspire people to take the information they're learning from this and implement it in their life so that those results just ripple out into the world so that more people want to be better in their lives? It's all about living our best life. It's all about following and finding our passion and purpose, having deeper, more meaningful relationships, living healthy and inspired, having full energy, living the adventure of life and doing it together. You know, I've learned a lot over the last five years, some powerful lessons. I talk about it in the School of Greatness book. I talk about it in The Mask of Masculinity. I talk about it in The Millionaire Morning but I feel like there's so many more lessons to be learned and I can't wait for each day for what I'm learning because I'm still a work in progress 
I've still got so much to overcome. So many things I get to tap into and keep stepping up in my life. And I know that this is only just a reminder and an opportunity for me to stay accountable and to continue to overcome my challenges and, and work on being a better human being. I love you from the bottom of my heart. It means the world to me that you continue to show up here each week, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday when we release episodes. So thank you if this is your first episode or episode number 593. I'd be curious to see how many people have actually listened to all 593 episodes. I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email if you have on uh, lewishouse.com. You can just email me there. And thank you guys for all that you do. I kind of don't even want to stop this right now because I'm just reflecting on all the moments of connecting with all of you and everyone that I haven't connected with yet. I hope to connect with you in the future. So if you're listening to this now, please come say hi to me sometime when we're in the same location and just give me a high five, a hug, and just say, hey, heard the episodes and love it. and That's all I need. Just want to know that you're out there. Again, Martin Luther King Jr. said, not everybody can be famous, but everybody can be great because greatness is determined by service. Again, I love you guys very much. Five years is complete, but our journey continues. And as always, you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.